like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes, Views, and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. Hey, how you doing, everyone? Welcome on in. Hope you're having a great Monday after uh, Mother's Day Sunday yesterday. Hopefully, you all had a chance to be with your moms, or if your moms are not around, definitely thought about your moms and thought about all the great times and all the things your mothers did for you. Uh, uh, it's funny. As you're growing up, uh, sometimes you're yelling at your mom, and uh, she's the one that's the the uh, the enforcer at times with dad being away or something. But, uh, yeah, you um, appreciate your mom every day. Give her a call if you get the chance. That's a good thing. Mine passed away about four or five years ago, about five years ago, and uh, miss her every day. So Mother's Day is always a tough one for me and my, my brothers and sisters. But uh, hopefully you all had a great day on Sunday. And uh, it was a little strange weather. It rained most of the morning. But then the Cubs were able to get their game in. Maybe they it was not a good thing, maybe, that they got the game in. White Sox got theirs in in Kansas City. Uh, but each and every show on Hubes Views and Brews, I always make sure I pop a beer. I've had a couple of White Sox beers lately, but today I'm gonna I'm gonna have a beer from Hop Butcher, and it's all gonna key in and tie in with what we talk about later in the show because Hop Butcher, a brewery that has been brewing at different breweries, they they don't have their own space, they don't have their own facility, they've been brewing at other breweries, and every Thursday. They kill it with beers. Now, right now, there are diehard beer fans out there saying, come on, New Fallen. New Fallen's a couple weeks old. You should have, about a month or two old. You should have drank that already. Listen, I buy a few. I drink one, stick a couple of others in the fridge. The beers are good. We'll talk more about it. Oh, by the way, Showboat Saloon, if, if you ever go to the Wisconsin Dells, Showboat Saloon, the place to go, they have a great list of craft beers. Uh, they have been getting toppling Goliath beer from Decora, Iowa, since before they were everywhere else. Uh, Pseudo Sue, one of their best beers. I was drinking that before I'd even seen it on the shelves in the Chicagoland area. So Showboat's a little great place to go. And Hot Butcher, a great way to start a show. Because this week, this week in baseball, I sound like one of those really old guys on black and white. Uh, this week, the White Sox basically took over a little bit in uh, first place in the American League Central. They are the first place Chicago White Sox. I like hearing that first place Chicago White Sox. Um, they've won 11 of their last 15. They've been playing much better. We'll get to the Tony La Russa situation in a minute. Four and one on the road trip. The only game they lost was the one nothing 10 inning game to Cincinnati. But their starting rotation has been amazing. White Sox fans have to be shocked a little bit, too, by what the starting rotation is doing. Right now, the starters have an ERA of 2.66, best in baseball. The next best in the American League is 3.55. In between the White Sox and the Yankees, who are 3.55, there are six National League teams. So the White Sox, the White Sox starters, ERA, 2.66, absolutely amazing. And uh, they pitched well like that this on this uh, road trip. 
Dylan Cease not only pitched well, but hit the ball well. Had three hits. He did very, very well. Then you had um, Dallas Keuchel. Pitched nice, pitched well, got the game scoreless into the late innings, and the White Sox could not win in 10. But then they go to Kansas City. Carlos Rodon gets the victory. Then you also have um, Lance Lynn comes out, goes five innings. It's pretty easy to get a victory and go five innings. I would think it is. I'm not a major league pitcher. But when your team scores eight runs in the top of the first inning, that's what the White Sox did on Saturday. Eight runs in the top of the first inning. They're one, two, and three hitters in the lineup. Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal, Yoan Moncada each had two hits in the first inning. A 24-minute first inning. They scored eight runs. They go on to a victory over Kansas City. And then yesterday, Lucas Giolito goes five, gives up a run. The first run that the starting rotation, the starters have given up in 30 and a third innings. Okay, Actually, they've gone 30 and a third innings now, giving up just that one run. So the White Sox now, they have given up one earned run in the last 30 and one innings. 30 and one third innings, like I mentioned. First place team, they get the day off today. The Cubs have the day off today. I think this is the first time I'm doing a show on Hubes, Views, and Brews where both the Sox and Cubs have the day off. So the Blackhawks are wrapping up their season uh, today, a season that at the beginning most people thought was going to be a failure. They didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, we got to see a lot of young talent. And maybe going forward, that could be a good thing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Before I go any further with the White Sox, I just want to tell you, coming up on the show, Brian Sandalo from um, the Chicago Sun-Times. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, Brian covers a lot of things for the Sun-Times. We'll talk a lot about the things he does covering during COVID and also the Chicago Fire. He covers the Chicago Fire, also covers the Chicago Wolves. And we'll talk about the Fire because that's one of my loves. And unfortunately, they have not won a game yet through the first four this year. Also, we're going to talk with Kirk Kilker. He is running a new company. That's called Brews Cruise. And with Fred's Views and Brews, or Hubes Views and Brews, um, the Brews Cruise is something I think that a lot of the uh, beer drinkers out there might be interested in. So we'll talk with him at about 740. But back to baseball. Your mean Mercedes, still unbelievable for the Chicago White Sox. The 28-year-old rookie, a triple, a double in the White Sox win yesterday. The bullpen is pitching better. All things are going well right now for the White Sox, which is a good thing. Um, Cease, Keuchel, Rodon are going against the Minnesota Twins. Last Friday started a stretch of 13 games for the White Sox where they played the Twins. I'm sorry. the Yeah, the Twins and the Royals. So they played the Royals on the road. They come home to play the Twins for three. Then they play the Royals. They have a doubleheader on Friday Then play Saturday, Sunday. Then they go to Minnesota and play the Twins. So 13 straight. Time to make some hay in the division. Time to open up a lead as the White Sox were slow out of the gate, slower than many people thought. They were making errors early in the season. And many people think, we'll get into it now, many people think that Tony La Russa has cost them four or five games. Now, I'm not going to say Tony La Russa cost him the game on Wednesday. I'll be one of the people that won't say he cost them the game. I will say, as a manager of a Major League Baseball team, you have to know the rules. That would help for those who are uninformed or forgot about it. On Wednesday, in the 10th inning, bottom of the ninth inning, Liam Hendricks is on pitching for the White Sox. When he came in, the Sox made a double switch. By making the double switch, the guy that made the previous out, the last out in the ninth inning, Liam Hendricks was going into his spot. 
which Tony LaRusa thought because of that, because of that, he was going to have to have Liam Hendricks on second base to start the 10th inning in this wacky, crazy 10th inning rule where you get a runner at second base to start the inning. Well, this year, since they do not have the universal DH, Major League Baseball, in their ultimate wisdom, decided after using the ultimate or the universal DH last year, which meant both leagues had the DH the way it should be. Now, I'm not a DH fan or not a DH fan, but you can't have the DH in one league and not in the others. When you get to the World Series, the American League team can't use the designated hitter in the road ballpark. It doesn't make any sense. So eventually they'll get back to the universal DH. They're going to use it as a, a bargaining chip when they get into uh, negotiations for the next collective bargaining agreement. But anyway, I digress, which I do quite often. Um, so Tony La Russa puts Liam Hendricks out to second base. The postgame press conference, James Fegan from The Athletic says, why didn't you not have Jose Abreu out there? And Tony La Russa basically said, well, the rule says I have to have the guy that made the last out the previous inning, and Liam Hendricks came in for Vaughn, not for Abreu. The thing is, Tony didn't know that Major League Baseball changed the rule, that if it was a pitcher in that spot, you can go to the next previous player. So Abreu could have run. Now, the question is, would Abreu have scored from third base? Would Abreu, would would the Royals still have thrown through to get a Lurie Garcia, who for some bizarre reason was stealing second base? Um, and would Abreu have been able to come home on a double steal? Would they have been able to bunt maybe and try to get him in? With Liam Hendricks running, you're not going to get your pitcher hurt. So that's the thing that didn't make any sense. Uh, Tony La Russa took a beating for it, and deservedly so. The other thing is you have to realize he has a bench coach. He has other coaches on the bench with him. For no one to say anything about that is bizarre, okay? Somebody should have said something. Miguel Cairo, a major leaguer for a long time, is his bench coach. Now, the National League teams know this rule probably a little bit better than the American League teams do, but that's no excuse. They all got a memo in the offseason. But listening to sports radio, as I do, listening to sports radio, I listen to one station. I think you can figure out which one. Um, listening to sports radio. They were just skewering him. It was so crazy. Now, granted, it was a mistake. The Sox didn't lose the game because of that. They couldn't hit the ball. It was scoreless into the 10th inning, okay? They may have been able to squeeze out a victory if it was a Abreu running instead of Liam Hendricks, but that's not the point. And I don't think Tony La Russa is going to continue to make mistakes. If, in fact, he does, we'll have a much, much, much bigger problem with La Russa Jerry Reinsdorf, and what will Rick Hahn do as the general manager? I don't know that Rick Hahn was thrilled with the choice of Tony La Russa when the season started, and I think it was Jerry Reinsdorf's decision, but it seems like Tony La Russa has changed. I've mentioned this before. When I was following the White Sox in the 80s, covering for Sports Phone, Tony La Russa was not a nice guy. He was not pleasant. He was not polite. He was not nice. He was... Um, he had one thing on his mind, which is winning games, and that's, why I guess, what a Major League Baseball manager is supposed to have. And he's won games. Many people have heard me sit here uh, and on the radio on both stations and say, I don't think managers mean a whole heck of a lot. The Cubs didn't win in 2016 because of Joe Madden. Joe Madden wasn't the reason they were losing. He didn't deserve to get fired, but then again, what's he doing? Um, after the circus acts and everything else went away, all the manager does, he puts the lineup up and tries to get the players to play as hard as they have to, which is amazing. You need to get someone to do that. 
because these guys are making beyond money playing a game, playing a kid's game. And um, so I, we'll see what happens with Tony La Russa. I think he'll be fine going forward. I also want to mention, before we go to our guests, I want to mention that the Cubs, they won five games in their homestand, the first five games. They swept the Dodgers. The Dodgers are struggling. They've lost their last five series. I think they've lost 11 of their last 14. And for the Cubs, that was great because the Dodgers were starting um, Kershaw, Bauer, and Walker Bueller. The Cubs won all three of those games, okay? They took they scored four runs off Kershaw in the first inning. He didn't come out for the second. The Bauer game was close. The Cubs scored late, and uh, then they ended up beating Walker Bueller. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates came to town. The Cubs won two more games. They won five games. They went over the 500 mark. Right now, after losing Sunday, the Cubs are 17 and 17. They're at 500. And on the radio on Sunday, when I was working on ESPN 1000 with Mark Zander, my partner on Sundays, people were calling and they said, this Cubs, these, this winning streak is fool's gold. They don't have the talent to hang in the division. The division's not great in the National League Central. I think they can hang around. I think the guys that they have can perform well enough to hang around in that division. They go to Cleveland for two games this week, and then they go to Detroit. That should be an easy ser series for them. Cleveland's banged up a little bit. Cleveland can't score runs. They've been no hit twice this season, the Cleveland Indians. So we'll see what the Cubs do. Two games, Tuesday, Wednesday in Cleveland, and then over the weekend in Detroit. But we got to figure out, you and I don't necessarily need to, but you'd like to figure out what's going on with Kyle Hendricks, okay? The first inning yesterday, I know the balls were not hit hard. I know there was a lot of soft hits just past the defender, couple of errors, couple of fielding mistakes by the Cubs, and four runs for the Pirates in the first. Kyle Hendricks allowed four in the first. His first inning ERA this year is 19.29. The opposition's hitting 320 off of him. He's got an ERA of 6. 23. This is not the Kyle Hendricks that we were expecting. Nobody's expecting this Kyle Hendricks. So we'll see if things can change. There was a headline in the Sun-Times today, the mini headline. I'm not sure exactly what it's called. It was on the back page. It was a headline. And underneath it, it said, if you are waiting for Cubs teardown to begin, beware, it has arrived. So we'll see. Is this a teardown? My question for Cub fans is, how are you, how are you cheering for this team this year? Because if they hang around and if they are playing well, Jed Hoyer likely is going to make some moves and trade some of these guys away at the trade deadline. And at that point, is it then we're giving up in the season and we're going to tear down and try and get new players? It's very difficult cheering for this team when you're not sure with the big three in Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo, where they're going to be, what's going to happen with them as they go forward. So always time to talk Sox and Cubs. I usually do that in the beginning of each show because – that's my love. I love baseball. I love craft beer. I love soccer and the NFL. College football, not so much. The Bulls, I'll watch. And the rest of the NBA, never. And I read, I had never. When people say, hey, the NBA finals, don't care. And the NHL, I watch the Blackhawks. I watch the home teams play and talk about them. But uh, baseball is my love. I've got the extra innings package on TV right now. There's four games on. And then uh, the Blackhawks are on wrapping up their season. But I wanted to get to our guest. Nice enough to join us. Brian Sandalo from the Chicago Sun-Times. Nice enough to uh, jump on in. And, uh, Brian, how you doing this evening? 
I am doing just great. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you and I have known each other for a long time, uh, talking uh, shop about the fire, and now it's good to talk uh, here on this podcast. Yeah, it is. And uh, the, the funny thing is that you're a guy that I saw you sitting at the fire, but you would be coming sometimes uh, the day before from a baseball game, or you would be at the Wolves game the day before. You're always doing something. You're like a jack-of-all-trades you do a lot of things. You also have a guy that's also at the Sun Times, and Mark Potash, who's been doing it for a long time. But uh, how, how has it been covering and jumping around from one thing to the next? You got to you're writing, following the Cubs one day, and then you're following the Chicago Fire the next. You got to be versatile. Your brain has to be following a lot of things at a lot of different times. And there are times where it's a little bit challenging. But I love sports. I love Chicago sports. So there's worse things to have to do than follow all the Chicago sports <laughs> teams closely. And a fun a little connection between me and Mark Potash. We both went to Mizzou and we both went to Niles West High School. So maybe there's something in the water about uh, training sports writers to be versatile in the Chicago market. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, you, you know what? You can learn a lot from him. I had, I had Mark on a couple of weeks ago, just a great guy. He's got so much knowledge and so much experience in the things he's done. What's it been like covering all these sports during COVID? I would think part of it, um, had you gone to a lot of events? Have you been home and then done zoom press conferences afterwards? How's it worked for you? I've gone to every game I've covered except one. Okay. And zoom, the zoom press conference is strange because you can't just fire off the extemporaneous question if you if you're if the um the camera or the mic isn't on you. Let's right. say one of your counterparts, you know, answers you know asks a question and it, it triggers something in your head. You can't just blurt your question right out right there. And something else that and this is no one's fault. I'm a fire beat writer. I like to work the the dressing room a certain way, build relationships with people. Sure. I can't really do that. I can't really go and talk to a guy, pull a guy aside after the scrum and be like, and ask him a couple more questions. I can't even go there and introduce myself and say, Hey, I'm Brian. I cover you guys for the sun times. I'm going to be around. It, it's a challenge to build the relationships to get the really good stuff, but you got to persevere. And frankly, there's a lot of positives to it. Um, and, and the teams have handled it quite well. I've had no complaints with how the fire Cubs and White Sox have handled zooms because it's just a, it's just a reality right now. We have, there's nothing else we can do about it. And it's certainly better than not covering sports. So yeah, I, I'm, I've gotten used to it, but I'm looking forward to the day when we can get back into locker rooms and dressing rooms. Now on um, Sunday through Sunday through Friday, the sun times is sports is good. I, I've read the sun times since I was a kid growing up, going to Morton East high school in Cicero. But the Saturday sports section, they've been, it's been about probably what, about two years now, but your Saturday sports section is amazing. And it seems like it's given you an opportunity too to write some more long form stuff as opposed to just your game stories and some of the other things. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It gives me a chance to stretch out and, and write features. I've re I wrote a feature last year about an architect who was doing a digital rendering of Old Comiskey Park. That's the kind of story. And, and it, it really took off on, on social media. That's not the kind of story you'd have room to do during the day. I mean, during a regular day. I wrote a thousand word feature on former fire coach Velko Ponovic last year. Again, it's hard to find the room for that. It really allows all the writers to stretch their a different muscle a little bit. Allows you to, to really um to really spread out. And I, I enjoy it. 
and it gives room for I'm what there's eight or nine te- pro sports teams in Chicago that get ink plus Notre Dame plus preps plus other features. There's a gambling feature every week. Uh, it, it's really a, a powerhouse, and yeah. that's the best word I have for it. It's a powerhouse that you if you're interested in it in Chicago sports, it's going to be in there. And it's been great for me too. Uh, been able to write a lot about the fire and some other stuff, and, and really indulge my interests. Uh, at this point, about a year ago, uh, Pat Finley and I, of course, one of the Bears writers, fellow uniform nerd, we we uh, we reviewed all seven uh, uniform changes last year. And okay. Where else? Are you, where else are you going to find that? Where right. else are you going to find the stuff that you have? Pat Finley writing hard hitting bear stories, me writing hard hitting fire stories, and at the same time. We have the room to review uniforms. It's a great yeah. product, and I'm proud to be a part of it. No, it really is. And I was the old guy who waited till like a year and a half ago to get the Sun-Times digitally because I would always go to the store and buy it and look, make sure I got the late final with the sc- scores in it and things like that. Um, but this past Saturday, they had the, uh, the long-form feature on Marchie and Greco, and that was amazing. That was a great read. And each and every week, I'm looking forward to it. You also mentioned Velko, and we're going to talk about the Chicago Fire in a minute. But Velko Potovic was the Chicago Fire coach before Raphael Wicke, their coach now. And I was keeping up with Reading early in the season, but I saw your one of your tweets. They just failed to, to get promotion uh, and get into the playoffs, right? Right, yes. they. Uh, I think they won seven of their first eight matches. Uh, yeah. And then they kind of uh, – they didn't keep it up, but when they finished 14th last season, so they finished seventh this year, is a pretty good sign. Now, the issue for Pono is that Reading has a reputation of firing managers quickly and not giving them much time. He got sure. through the season, but who knows what's going to happen uh, if they if they get off to a slow start next season. And I know the expectations are the are the Premier League for them, but uh, good season for Pono in his first year in the English Championship with Reading. Okay, yeah. I was I was hoping for a good season uh, for the Chicago Fire, or at least a better season. I told the story before, but last year was the first year I had bought season tickets for a sports franchise, and then COVID comes around. So I was not going to be sitting in the press box; I was going to be sitting in the stands. I did sit in the stands for the opener, and um, that didn't turn that turned out great for the first fifteen minutes. A nice quick two nothing lead, and then it was two nothing at half, and then two nothing or two two tie at uh, the end of the game. But since then, um, three losses. Um, what were your expectations for the fire coming into the season? And what are your thoughts about them now after the first four? Uh, I'm just going to say this. In November, their sporting director, Georg Heitz, which is basically the president of soccer operations, general manager, right. he said he was going to stress continuity in the offseason. That press availability, I asked him, why would you want to stress continuity with a team that won five of 23 games last year? Well, um, they did stress continuity, and unfortunately for the fire, my question, my, 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 not my second guess, my first guess has been correct. Uh, 0-3-1, a lot of the same stuff that cropped up last year. And to make matters worse, last year, I thought they were an entertaining watch. Yeah, they only won 5 of 23 games, but they were adventurous uh, moving forward. They always created attack. Their last two and a half games, the last three games, they have one goal. And there's not been a lot going forward, but just the same mistakes over and over again, leaking, you know, leaking goals off of set pieces this year. It's off of throw-ins of all things, right? Guys not marking, getting marked in the box, leading the chances. It's, it's uncanny how similar this looks four games in. And 
I just don't know exactly what the fire we're expecting. That you bring back mostly the same team, arguably a worse team than last year, losing two MLS performers in Sapong and Mihailovic, and you expect them to get better. Now, I know what they were thinking, that the rationale was, oh, there's not going to be COVID, nothing like that. Everyone's in the country. We're all, everyone's going to mesh and gel better. But in the end, the results last year were poor. And so far, the results are really poor. Yeah. I was not a, a fan of Sapong when they first got him here. But then every time I watched him, he worked so hard. He didn't work as hard as um, Nemanja Nikolic when he was here. But Sapong worked so hard when he did get into games. And I kept waiting for uh, Georgi Mihalovic to, to play well. And now he's apparently doing a little bit better up in Montreal. And he, he's getting more playing time. Mauricio Pineda was a big uh pleasure and a joy for Chicago Fire fans, a homegrown kid last year. He missed a couple of games and did not play, but he was available. What were your thoughts on why he wasn't around in those well, games? Raphael Wicke said it was because of the time he missed with the national team, that mm -hmm. he was part of the under-23 national team, the ill-fated attempt to qualify for the upcoming Olympics. Uh, he uh, played, a, a, I think, about two of the games, and uh, he comes back and he's not playing the first two games. He did not start the first two matches, which was surprising because of anybody you thought was going to be plug and play. It was going to be him. Sure. And then he plays as a central mid last week against the Red Bulls. And he did not play all that well. It was not his, one of his finer moments. Uh, there were uh, his marking was not what you'd expect it to be. And then this week, uh, the most recent game, he did not start. He did get in as a sub, but he did not start. So it's an interesting start for him. They gave him a new contract over the offseason. Uh, they've really felt like that he was one of the guys that was going to be a building block moving forward. And, and maybe he still will be. There's no reason to think he won't be. Just not the start that you would expect. And I, I was surprised he didn't play the first two games. But his form in the last two has not been up to the standard we expected. So maybe not quite what everyone was hoping for from him. But there is still time this season for him to get back on the right path. And it's pretty funny that you mentioned that Reading was known as an organization that doesn't give their coaches a lot of time. The one thing I've realized, I started following soccer in 1990 after not liking the game at all. And um, the one thing that blows my mind is how so many teams and franchises and organizations give coaches very, very little time to turn things around or to get on a winning uh basis uh Raphael Wiki, what are your thoughts on him and the way he's coaching this Chicago Fire team well you know 27 games in it this isn't four games into yes it is four games into the season but when you bring back mostly the same team I'm going back to last season this is 27 games of the Raphael Wiki coaching experience and they keep making the same mistakes now you you have to wonder is the message getting through is there a needed do they need to change tactics they need to change formation so far, it seems like players are still buying in. They believe in what Raphael Wicke and the coaching staff is saying. But sooner or later, there's got to be results. And now there's no scuttlebutt or rumors right now that, that he's on a real hot seat. But mm -hmm. his contract has a club option for the 2022 season. If this keeps up, that decision gets pretty hard for the fire. Now, I know that Gerard Heitz, the sporting director, he and Wicke go a long ways back to their time in Switzerland. Wiki uh, has the same philosophy as Heights, and there's a lot of positive traits for Wiki I've seen. Uh, he's a very good spokesman for the club. 
Um, he has an idea of how he wants to play, but the results just haven't been there. So then if this continues on, that club option will become a bigger and bigger deal as the season wears on. Now, it's not something – I'm not monitoring my email or my phone thinking I'm going to get a text from a source, hey, uh, Wiki's out. Sure. But I, it's something they have to get the results, and they have to get the results going pretty soon, or else questions like that are going to become a lot more prevalent. I've always thought one of the things in soccer, and again, not being a guy that didn't play the game, and have just learned it by watching and talking to coaches and things like that. I've always thought that being able to gel with the other teammates is a, is a huge thing. And it seems like with all the different guys the Fire have brought in over the last year, year and a half, you've got brought in some good players, but it's difficult to blend them with the other talent that they have there. I mean, you know, you have Jimenez in, in the midfield. I think, you know, you have Berich up top, who's like really their only scorer. Lucas Zajakovic showed that he can do some things um, the way he's been able to play and uh, make some opportunities. Frankowski is one of the fastest guys I see up and down the right side, but he never seems to get an opportunity to put the ball in the net. And when he does, it usually doesn't go there. Uh, they don't seem to have enough scoring options. And that's always a tough thing when you look at uh, teams in Major League Soccer. It looks like a lot of them are like that. I think some over the weekend, you had a lot of games that were pretty low scoring. And you get that in soccer. I understand that. But then I think it, it spoils me when I watch the Bundesliga on Saturday morning. When games are always 3-2, 4-1, there's tons of goals and they get up and down the field. Do you think they have – I know Herbers is hurt. I'm not sure what the prognosis is or when he's going to schedule to come back. But after not being a guy really involved in it, he's really their second-best scorer when he's available. Yeah, and that's sort of an issue because Fabian Herbers is a good professional. He's a hardworking guy. He's he's conscientious. He'll play uh, both. He'll play all ends of the field. But if he's one of your guys that you're really depending on as a scorer, then you're in a little bit of trouble. They don't have enough top end players right now. Uh, Barrich uh, scored 12 goals last year in 23 games, but he missed a sitter on Saturday that he should have tapped in that would have tied the match. And who knows how things change. He's gotten off to a bit of a slow start. Stojanovic, okay, two goals so far. Uh, he's looked pretty good, but he's been pretty quiet the last two games. The, the best player last year was probably Alvaro Madron, a midfielder. Yeah. But with Madron, who's more of a deep-line player, he, they haven't really figured out a way to get him and Stojanovic, who's a central mid, a 10. They haven't figured out a way to get those two guys clicking at the same time. Uh, Madron was actually dropped from the starting lineup last week against Philadelphia, which was very surprising. The week before yeah. that, he played as a left-sided mid, something that Wiki said he wouldn't do. So they're trying to get find ways to get those two guys clicking at the same time. If they can figure that out, that gives them a more dynamic midfield. Now, they still need a ball-winning midfielder. I'm not sure Jimenez is that. They tried that with Kapelhoff, and he came very close to getting two yellows in the first yeah, half against Philadelphia. <laughs> and then yeah. Raphael Wicke didn't mess around. He did not see the field in the second half. But they need difference makers. They need difference makers, and they don't have enough of them right now. Uh, Stanislav Ivanov was going to be that, that difference maker on the left who's out uh, until about July with a knee problem. We don't know that. But they just don't have enough top-end players right now who you can look to and say, that's a guy – that opponents have to be very worried about at all times, or that's a guy who's going to snuff out our attacks when we go near them. They don't have that. They have a lot of guys who are okay. They have some decent professionals, but no one who you're looking at and thinking that's a guy you really got to be worried about. And until they do, they're going to be, they might be stuck in this quagmire that they've been in for the last 
uh, year plus under the current administration. Okay. Uh, I'll let you go, but do they, uh, can they get a win on Thursday uh, in DC? You know, short weeks are weird. And yeah. I think the fire might be pretty desperate. It wouldn't surprise me if they get a win, but if they don't, this could be a while before they get a victory. Yeah. That's a sad thing. I was hoping for better. Um, I've got some tickets coming up for uh, other games. And they've got they got a really weird schedule. They play a lot of games in June and July. And then at the end of the year, they have like two home games in the last month and a half of uh, the season. So I'm hoping to get back out to Soldier Field and uh, enjoy it. When I was there, it was great. Uh, I thought the the fans, fans were as loud as they could be for the number of fans they had. So I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Plus, I don't know about you, Brian, but after going to a game, and I'm going to a Sox game on Thursday. I kind of like going to games where there's only eight to ten thousand people. Get the spread out, easy in, <laughs> easy out, no problems, no 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 long delays getting out and getting home. It's not a bad thing. No, one of these days I'm actually going to have to go to a game as a paying customer and experience yeah. what that's like. But uh, it looks like fun. But uh, when next time you're at a fire game, Fred, please uh, reach out. Love to uh, you know, to to see you in person. Uh, miss seeing you at the uh, at the games at Old SeaGeek. Yeah, we had, we had nothing but fun up there. That was a, a really good time. You, me, Oren, a bunch of guys. Oh, before we go, I wanted to make sure you you were have a chance to promote your podcast because you're going to sure. do one with Dan Santa Romito. Yes, Dan Santa Romito and I, uh, friends that we bonded over scotch and soccer. Uh, we now have a podcast called the Chicago Soccer Conversation. You can find it on all your favorite uh, podcast channels. And we have a Patreon as well. Uh, you want to reach me on on social media, on Twitter. Me and Dan and I are both very active on Twitter. So, again, it's a Chicago soccer conversation. We talk mostly about the fire. We've got Red Stars in there, other MLS and world soccer news. And you'll always hear me gripe about Tottenham Hotspur. I try to get at least one in per episode where I complain about that club. But uh, it's a fun podcast. Dan and I have just started this project and looking forward to uh, continuing it uh throughout the rest of the season and beyond yeah that's cool i want to make sure we got that in because i was i'm a, i'm i started to listen to the first one i listened to the first couple of minutes it was in my car so i had to go finish and listen to the rest of them and go from there uh brian appreciate you jumping on in i keep reading all your stuff i love your fire stuff i love all your saturday stuff in the saturday sun times keep it up and we'll talk to you soon okay thanks very much fred great to talk to you thanks Brian Sandalo does a great job for the Chicago, the Chicago Sun-Times. And like I said, uh, we would sit up there in the press box, Orange Schwartz from, uh, he was writing at the Daily Herald, writing the uh, soccer column and following the Chicago Fire. We'd have all kinds of fun yelling, talking about what the player, the team should have done, shouldn't have done. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun sitting up there at SeatGeek Stadium. And uh, I've, I've moved from the press box to the seats when I get a chance to catch some uh, some games this year. So uh, I'm going to try and catch some uh, in June. They have a lot of home games in June. If you get a chance, fire games are fun. Even during this COVID stretch, they're fun. We had a good time going to the game. The one thing, I can't remember if I even brought it to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I went to the game with my girlfriend, Linda. We had I had a 16-ounce beer. She had a 16-ounce soda. We had two pretzels and a cup of cheese. $37. That's crazy. That's that's ridiculous. Okay, I went to a game at Schaumburg Boomer Stadium a week or so ago and saw the uh, Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs, their alternate site teams, play against each other. Beers were reasonable. Everything was reasonable. There's no reason to charge so much, and I'm sure that's Soldier Field as opposed to Chicago Fire. At least I would hope you shouldn't have to pay that much for a, a 16 ounce beer. You don't pay. You don't buy. 
you don't pay per ounce. It's crazy. And um, but anyway, it was still fun. We enjoyed it. Uh, we didn't get two cups of cheese for the two pretzels because two fifty for a cup of cheese was enough. And I figured we'd make it stretch. We'd stretch it so it would last for the two pretzels. Okay, we did not get a chance to talk about the Chicago Bulls. We're going to talk some beer coming up in a couple minutes. The Chicago Bulls are in a situation right now. Joe Cowley wrote an article in Sunday's Sun-Times talking about what the Bulls should probably do is not play Levine and Vucevic the final five games of the season and take their chances and where the lottery balls fall and where they end up in the lottery and maybe get another good player and build for next year because you have um, Arturis Karnaschovic, you have Mark Eversley, they're putting this team together. They made the trade to bring Vucevic in, and he's been very good. Well, the Bulls did not listen to his advice on Sunday night, okay? They played against Detroit. They won, and Levine had 30. Vucevic had 29 points. The Bulls now have won three in a row since Zach Levine has come back from after he had uh, came down with COVID. They've held three straight opponents below 100 points. They're playing some good de good defense, better defense. They beat the Celtics the other day. They have four games remaining now. They have Brooklyn twice. They have Toronto, and they have Milwaukee. And they're in a situation now where they're two and a half games behind Indiana for the last playoff spot. It's not going to be easy to get a playoff spot. Even if they run the table, it's going to be difficult. But the Bulls, because of the Vucevic trade, the Bulls, First round pick is only protected, meaning they keep it if it's the first, second, third, or fourth pick in the draft. If top four are protected, anything else, a seventh pick, which they're way familiar with, the seventh pick would not be theirs. It would go to Orlando. So we'll see what happens with the Bulls. They have another game tomorrow. They play Brooklyn. You never know when Brooklyn plays, who's going to play, who's going to not play. But I guess they're in a battle for the top spot in the East. I mentioned earlier that I don't follow the rest of the NBA. Uh, so we'll see who's out there. If the rant's out there, I think Harden is hurt. Is Kyrie playing? How's that all going to go? So we will double check with that. A couple other beer things to get into. And I will do that right after we have a chance to talk to our next guest because they're doing something cool um kirk kilker nice enough to uh, jump on in and join us here on hubes views and brews kirk how you doing today good fred how are you thanks for having I'm me doing, on. i'm doing great i um for years once i started getting involved in craft beer i said man this would be great if someone could actually drive me to these places or i could hop a bus or do something i'm looking online the other day and on facebook and i see that you're helping to start this brews cruise here in chicagoland tell us a little bit about it yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, our slogan is driving you to drink local, Fred. So there, there you go. go. That's what we do. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I've, uh, I've always kind of wanted to do something that uh, kind of was a hobby of mine, right? Something I would enjoy. So I recently retired from the corporate world and I partnered with this group called Brews Cruise Inc. And uh, uh, they've been around for over 10 years. They started in Asheville, North Carolina and uh, have grown now to be in over 12 cities, including now Chicago area. So Chicagoland Brews Cruise, which uh, you mentioned we're just starting up. And I guess my vision here is, Fred, is that you know maybe I can help make the Chicago area be a beer destination like Asheville, North Carolina is. Yeah, Asheville, I'm, I got a list of some of them. Asheville, North Carolina, Charlotte, you got Greenville and Charleston. They also have one in Maine. They have some in Washington. They got others coming in, uh, including Nashville and things like that. 
And yeah. you've got a, I went to your site today and you've got a bunch of tours. There's some walking tours, some some bus tours. Um, and so when you first started doing this here in Chicagoland, have yeah. you what how did you start going about it? Did you have to contact the breweries and see if they re-up for it or how'd you do this? Yeah, just knocking on some doors, right? And uh tell them about what we want to do. And I, you know, the brewing community here is just amazing. Um, I've never seen an industry where they support to collaborate with each other and everything else. And they've just been open doors. Let me uh, talk a little bit about what we want to do and saying, yeah, that's great. Bring in a tour group. And uh, they're even going to spend some time with our tour group, kind of give it a personalized uh, uh, experience at each at each uh, each of those locations as well. So, yeah, they've been they've been great so far. Yeah, it's really cool. And then I tell people all the time and that's why when. When Mike, the guy who runs this uh, 1252 Sports, he wanted me to do a podcast. I said, I'll do it as long as I can talk about beer and about uh, sports because it's amazing. I was just at um, Skeleton Key Brewing the other day. Yeah. They had a Bavarian Breeze Hefeweizen that they collaborated with from Goldfinger Brewing. Yeah. And, the two of, and I went to have that. I said, I got to do it. But the collaboration beers, um, everybody wants the other guys to succeed. Like you said, I, I working in radio, I've never seen something where – they want the competition to succeed. This is amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. That's. I think that's been the greatest experience that I've had, right? Just going in and meeting some of these folks, just great people, and uh, really being open doors to to what we want to do. Yeah. When did you When did you start getting involved in or, or enjoying craft beer? Because I tell people I was a Miller Lite guy, thus the side behind me. Um, and then I got into Guinness. And then as I started seeing and going places and breweries were popping up in Arizona and places I'd be on vacation. I'd go in and check it out. And after that, it's just, the doors just opened up. When did you start getting involved in craft beer? Before it was a thing. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, when, uh, back in the days when the only, the only way you could really get a good beer is if you bought an import or you brewed it yourself. So I, I started uh, brewing uh, some homebrew with some friends and uh, I did that for a while. And then craft beer, you know, became, the thing and they breweries started popping up all over and that's when I realized that there are a lot of people out there who do a lot better job of making beer than I did so uh so I dropped that and uh uh been enjoying it ever since that's exact people keep asking me they go have you ever been a home brewer you thought about it I said yeah I thought about it but why am I going to do that when I can drive down the street and go to Skeleton Key or Goldfinger or Black Horizon or something when and they're gonna like you said make it a lot better than I would even make it. I don't have to wait as long either. I can try a couple different varieties by going into each of these places. Yeah, and you know each beer is going to taste great, right? When uh, when I did the homebrew, you just never knew which batch was going to be right and which one wasn't. Yeah, and it took you long enough to, de to deal with the one in Elvis and it doesn't turn out the way you want it. Um, so brew, what's the, the easiest way for people to get in touch with uh, Brews Cruiser with you is is through the through the website or through email? How is it? Yeah, through our website, our Facebook page, too, right? It's a good way to do it. We're on Instagram. But, yeah, if you want to sign up for one of our cruises, and we've got uh, several that are listed out there right now, right? We've been able to partner with some great breweries out here in the suburbs. Uh, we've got a number of them listed out there now. And uh, you can you can go online. You can book, uh, book a tour right from there, right? Grab some friends, family, and book a tour and uh, come on out. Or if you're interested in a private tour, then give me a phone call. So it's, uh, it's you know, www.brewscruise.com slash Chicagoland. Or if you just go to brewscruise.com, like you mentioned, you can pick the Chicagoland location and go from there. Or if you want to give me a call, if you're interested in a private tour, right, you got a group, uh, maybe a corporate group or something like that, 331-551-3510. 
Now, I, I looked at it. I thought the walking tour through Geneva, the Foxtrot tour through St. Charles, both cool. I haven't had the chance to be out there. And your slogan, where we drive you to drink local, is great because one of the reasons I haven't gone out to Geneva in that is because I know I can't hop from one to the other to the other and still make it home. Now people can take an Uber to one place where your meeting point is and then take an Uber back. I think that's a wonderful thing because uh, the one in uh, St. Charles, I want to go there. I know that the uh, Beer Ye, Beer Ye, the town crier one starts at Riverlands, which is another place I've not been out to yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've got to find someone who doesn't drink or <laughs> jump on one of the cruises because it makes so much sense. And it's nice to get out there and see these things. Um, your best of the West has Noon Whistle and Altar and Skeleton Key. And yeah. then you also did something which is interesting because there, you've got a winery, a distillery and a brewery tour. Talk about that one. Yeah, that's our, uh, we call it our Sunday afternoon countryside cruise because we head out west of the Burbs here a little bit, right? So uh, we take a drive out to Aqua Viva Winery uh, for some uh, tasting there. Then we go to Whiskey Acres Distillery, a uh, very unique operation, right? The people who own it uh, actually uh, are the ones who grow the corn, right? Our, 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 Jeez, that's great. Yeah, history of, of you know, being farmers themselves. And then we hit Obscurity Brewery in uh, Elburn uh, on our way back. So uh, that's that's really nice, something for everybody, right? So it's got the, the wine, the uh, um, uh, the bourbon and the whiskey and, uh, and some beer as well. So what is, right now, everybody's changes. I'm, I'm sitting here drinking a hot butcher from a few, uh, probably a month or so ago, 6.5 uh, New Fallen. And um, what's, your, what's your favorite style right now? Because I know my style basically is whatever I've got in front of me because it changes on, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't really, when somebody asks me, what's your favorite beer? That's hard. It's like when somebody asks you your favorite music group or song, sure. right? I mean, it changes sure. over time. Your style changes. So many new beers are coming out every day, right? Sometimes you end up recycling some old favorites, right, as, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, right, now, right now, I'm in the Pilsners and Lagers, um, and some of the breweries out here are just doing a fantastic job. It's not an easy beer to make, from what I understand, but... Um, yeah, our history here, uh, I've actually got a can here, uh, Gravitas uh, is a Czech lager, our history brewing out of um, Geneva, and yes. then uh, Brother brother Chimp here in North Aurora just came out with one, I got to taste it on Sunday, uh, Haka it's called, and it's uh, it's a pill made with uh, New Zealand hops, and it's, it's fantastic, Steve uh, over there did a great job with it. That's great. I'm going to, uh, I'll make sure I pass the number along to uh, all the other people. Anybody from uh, Hubes Views and Brews, they want to jump on in. They can always get to me on Twitter or Facebook also, and I'll get them uh, your information. Uh, can't wait. Maybe I'll get on out there because, like I said, Geneva and St. Charles are two of my destinations. I haven't made it to yet, so hopefully we can get together. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll Thanks. give you a call, Fred. We'll get you on one. That sounds great. Thanks a lot for jumping on in. Hopefully things yeah. work out well. Sure, sure. Thanks, Thanks for having me. No, no, my pleasure. Kirk Kilker from uh, Brews Cruise. Let's go, just go to brewscruise.com um, backslash Chicagoland. They have a great site. They explain what they're doing. They've got the dates up there so you can schedule the tours and everything. Really a great idea. I, I've been thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. I mean, I got five TVs or three TVs. I'm sitting here watching TV. There's so many things I could do. I thought that the train, trek, uh, train trip um, down to Burlington, you can just hit Brews and bars. It was kind of more bars. If I mean, you go to James Joyce and Berwyn and you go to um, 
oh, what's the uh, Irish Times in Brookfield, and you just keep heading on down the train tracks on the Burlington and hit all the uh, the different places. There's so many great places, so many amazing breweries out there, and um, that's one of the things I mentioned um, that I stopped at uh, Skeleton Key Brewing the other day, and uh, I had the Bavarian Breeze Hefeweizen. Okay, this was last week, last Thursday. Okay, and I had it at Skeleton Key Brewing, and it's tremendous. I love Hefeweizens, and I posted a picture of it on my um, on my Facebook page the, uh, earlier in the week, late last week, whatever. And it's great because Skeleton Key and Goldfinger are very good at coming up with glassware that goes with the beers. So a Hefeweizen, always in, a, in those tall glasses, and a lot of times with a Hefeweizen or a, a Hacker or a Weiss beer, you would put in a, I know it's a vice beer. I'll try it. You know, people will see it as W E I S S in German. The W is pronounced as a V, so it's vice. So you squeeze a lemon in it, and that it was one of the, the one of the only beers my wife would drink would be a half of ice, and when I ordered one, and um, I would get Hacker Shore Weiss for Christmas at times, bottles of that. So it's one of my favorite beers. So I was eager to see how Skeleton Key and Goldfinger were going to do theirs. And the glass was amazing. It had the Goldfinger logo and a long skeleton key. And the beer was tremendous. Had a chance to see Paul Slayton, one of the owners, and Emily was not working that day. She was sitting at the bar enjoying the Hefeweizen. We had a great time. And I cannot wait. If you want to get out there and taste it, they're going to have it on Thursday, the 13th, at um, Goldfinger Brewing, if I'm not mistaken. And if they don't have it, just enjoy the other stuff at Goldfinger because the Pilsner and the the original lager and everything from Goldfinger is awesome. Um, throughout the throughout the weeks, you can always you can find me there usually uh, every week or so. Uh, there's a lot of breweries, a lot of areas. Now, I did also want to mention, and one of the reasons I am drinking the Hot Butcher New Fallen that I am drinking, and again, beer drinkers out there are saying, "How'd you wait so long to drink that?" Again. I drank the first one the day I bought it, but I put a couple in the fridge, and they still taste good. They still work. I had a buckle-down, significant um, barrel-aged stout uh, Saturday night, and it had to be at least a year old, maybe a little more, and it tasted awesome, thanks to Ike, <laughs> Ike, Ike uh, who is one of the brewers and owners over at uh, Buckle Down said, if it didn't taste well, well, let us know. I said, it tasted wonderful. Very wonderful. It probably helped that I was making pasta at midnight after I pulled out ground beef from the fridge and I didn't get home in time to make it for a regular meal. But that is another story. Oh, it, actually, it is another story. And part of that story is, before I get to Hot Butcher, the story is I went to Black Horizon Brewing. I was doing White Sox Weekly on Saturday with Jeff Miller. Did it 3.30 to 5.30. I'll do it again this Saturday before the White Sox take on the Royals. And I said, okay, I'm just going to leave and I'm going to stop at Black Horizon, get one beer and go home and watch the White Sox game. So I get to Black Horizon Brewing. It's in Willowbrook, just off 83 and 75th Street. And I ordered an Orbital Waves. I had to write this down and search it out because I remembered it, but I forgot what it was. Orbital Waves, double dry hopped IPA, uh, 7% alcohol by volume, tropical citrus, some pineapple and stuff like that. Very, very good. Loved it. But as I'm drinking the beer, the White Sox are winning three, no, four, five, six, eight, nothing 
I said, okay, well, I don't need to go home and watch the White Sox unless they blow this game. I was recording it on my DVR. So what I did was I ordered a second one. And I ordered a Chasing Gravity. It's a Belgian triple style, 9% alcohol by volume. Another very, very good beer. Um, they're cranking them out at Black Horizon. They have a lot of beer in cans. They also have a couple of uh, uh, pastry kind of beers. They have a cake, uh, cake crusher, I think it's called, a blueberry cake crusher, and a bunch of different kinds. People that were there were having a great time. And with the weather getting warmer, um, nice, nice time to get on out to some of the breweries in the area. I've mentioned numerous times, living here in Downers Grove, I've got Black Horizon, Miskatonic, Skeleton Key, Altar, and Goldfinger. And there's probably more than I'm missing. Um, and then you go a little bit further west and you get to the new uh, noon whistle, which I may stop at tomorrow. Or sorry, today's Monday. May stop at Wednesday uh, in the afternoon. And um, then out in Lockport, Nick and Ivy, which I've been to a few times and they're cranking out some really, really good beers. Um, so that's, that's wonderful. I wanted to make sure I mentioned the Black Horizon. Then I went to a little hot dog place. It's a hot dog place, a little small bar called Stillins. It used to be Bono's on... Ogden in Lyle. And anybody that's out in this area or you drive up and down Ogden, you see Bono's. Um, it's now called Stillins, and they had live music the other night. So I went there, met my friend Lori and John, uh, sat and had a uh, revolution anti-hero. And that was good. It was a wonderful night. Got home and uh, I forgot I had pulled out ground beef to make for pasta sauce. So at 1130 and midnight, I'm browning ground beef and making pasta and eating... Uh, my version of uh, bolognese. It was good. I had some more of it today. Um, you make a pound of pasta that lasts you for a few days. Okay. I, I ramble. I babble. Um, Hot Butcher, which does this beer, the New Fallen, all the other beers. If you're a beer fan, you know that Thursdays is the day that Hot Butcher just releases their beers. And they've been brewing at Miskatonic Brewing. So a lot of times Miskatonic would have the Hot Butcher on those Thursdays. And you'd have them on tap. You'd be able to come in at 3 o'clock and sample the beer that they were just releasing in cans. Well, the story came out the other day from Josh Noel, who I hope to get on the show. Um, and I'm sure he'll come on. I just got to give him a, ask him. Josh Noel wrote the book on, um, literally wrote the book on Goose Island, how they were end up being bought by Anheuser-Busch and the whole story there. The headline in Josh's column on the 6th, so four days ago, was Half Acre to Sell Lincoln Avenue Brewery to Upstart Hot Butcher for the World which gets its first home after years of quiet growth. And uh, he goes out in the article says, Half Acres agreed to sell its original location, 4257 North Lincoln to Hot Butcher for the World, which will take over a space this fall that has become an iconic destination for local and visiting beer drinkers. Fueled by its flagship Daisy Cutter Pale Ale, Half Acre gradually outgrew the Lincoln Avenue building and in 2015 opened a, a brewery eight times the size, counting its outdoor space, at 2050 West Balmoral. Now, Half Acre and Hot Butcher, they kind of do the same, similar things. Now, this is according to Josh. Half Acre, since their launch, they have been a uh, brewery built on updated approach at Hop Forward beers, especially Bright and Citrus Forward Pale Ales and India Pale Ales. Hot Butcher updated Half Acre's update and embracing the even more intensely fruity, hazy IPAs. And that's what the people wait for on Thursdays. When I go to Orange and Brew, if I don't get there on time, um, there's there's already a lot of them are gone. Um, one of the guys from Hot Butcher for the World, um, Jude LaRose, I had a chance to meet Jude when he was selling tickets for the Chicago Rush 
um, Arena League team. And he, along with Jeremiah Zimmer, are the owners for uh, Hop Butcher. And Hop Butcher, I, would, I could say it, but it's easier to read Josh's words because he's a writer and he speaks better than I do. Hop Butcher abides by a modern approach of brewing that embraces no flagship or year-round beers, just fresh batches every week of beers that could have been released months ago or years ago or could be brand-new creations. They intentionally give fans few clues about what beers to expect each week until just before they release. And Jude said, we crank them out there as fresh as possible, and people drink them up. And he's right. If you go to any place looking for a hot butcher on a Friday or a Saturday, you might not be able to find the current release because it's already gone. And that's one of the great things about hot butcher. They, they, they crank them out. They put out two, three, usually two a week, sometimes three. I think I've seen as many as four in a week and uh, people just cannot get enough of them. It's, it's wonderful. Great beer, always great beer. I've never been one time. I had one that had coffee in it. I'm not a coffee guy. <clears throat> so, but other than that, other I love the hot butcher beers. And uh, if you if you're a craft beer drinker and you've had hot butcher before, the odds are well, actually, if you like hazy IPAs, you would love hot butcher for the world. Before we go, each and every week, we always do a little segment I like to call "What's Up, Fred's Can." Well, maybe it's just because you're ugly. Ugly. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, come on! Time for What's Up Fred's Can on 1252 Sports Chicago. Okay, I mentioned this on the radio on ESPN on Sunday and was ranting and raving because the New York Knicks, who have not been news in the NBA except for how bad they've been, they're fourth in the Eastern Conference right now. And again, I didn't know this. I, someone had to say it and mention it. And then I said, I can't believe they're fourth. One of the reasons they're fourth in the Eastern Conference is because Tom Thibodeau is their head coach. I cannot tell you how upset and mad I was that the Bulls decided to part ways with Tom Thibodeau. A good coach, a coach that yelled at his players, a coach that tried to get his players to play defense and they loved playing for him. Joakim Noah loved playing for him. Derrick Rose loved playing for him. That's why he's in New York now. Um, they all, Jimmy Butler, they loved playing for Tom Thibodeau. And the Bulls organization, John Paxson, Gar Foreman, could not get along with Tom Thibodeau. Didn't like some of his, the way he was using their players, maybe too many minutes. Ooh, poor players. It's a 48-minute game. You can't play 40. You can't play 39. It's too much. Are you going to be winded when the playoffs get there? You've got timeouts after every quarter. You walk to the free throw line as everybody's resting. And the last several years, it's been disgusting. I'm sorry, I'm shaking the camera. It's been disgusting that there's been so much time management in basketball. One of the reasons I don't plan on going back to watching the NBA on a regular basis because players have to take a – Oh, I gotta, I've got to recover. I've just played two games in three days. I can't play a fourth. Now, the NBA has done a good job of splitting that up and slowing it down so you don't play that many games consecutively. But, you know, you give athletes, you give any – heck, you give anybody. You give them a, an inch, they take a yard, okay? So if you allow them to rest 
after a game and say, okay, you go recover, then they're going to take more, and they're going to take more, and they're going to take more. I mentioned how the Bulls played Brooklyn twice in the last four games. How many games do you think do you think Durant and uh, will play in both of those games? You think that uh, Kyrie will play in both of those games? Or you think maybe they might be a little too exhausted? They don't want to push it a little too much before the playoffs get here. Now, I read an article from The Guardian, December of 2017, the article came out. Or at least that's when I got it, I think. So it said in the article that time management and playing players fewer minutes doesn't have any, there's no indication that that benefits the players later in the season. As a matter of fact, a majority of ACL injuries happen in the early part of NBA seasons when the players should be in condition and should be in good shape, not later in the year when the players are or are winded or played what they say is a little bit too much. So it's frustrating to me. Now, Billy Donovan is a good coach, apparently. Billy Donovan was a good coach in Florida. He's been a bit good coach in the NBA. I am happy that Billy Donovan's here. Since Tom Thibodeau's not, it's nice that he's he's a better coach than Jim Boylan. Let's just put it that way, okay? But it's nice to see that the Bulls are starting to play under him. Now, I'm eager to see what they're going to do with uh, Arturis Karnaschovic, Mark Eversley, how they're going to put this team together, how they're going to go forward. They got Vucevic. They have Levine. Let's see how things go. But not having Tom Thibodeau and watching Tom Thibodeau get the New York Knicks. People in New York are shocked that he, they're playing as well as they are. And they are in the situation they are. But to not have Tom Thibodeau as a head coach of the Chicago Bulls, that's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay. That's enough. I want to thank Brian Sandalo for jumping on. It's always fun talking to him. Again, if you get a chance, make sure you check out the Saturday sports section in the Sun-Times. <clears throat> it's, they do a great, great job. They go in-depth in a lot of things. And the article from last week about Marchie and Greco, tremendous article. In-depth article about um, Mark. Thanks to uh, Kirk Kilker from uh, Bruce Cruz. Again, check it out. Go to Bruce Cruz dot com backslash Chicagoland and you can see all the tours they're having. They have some walking tours, they have some bus tours. And um, like you said, you can come up with a private tour. Say, listen, we'd like to go here, 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 and here, and we've got a couple of people and they could probably arrange it for you. So check them out, give them a call. We'll go to brewscruise.com backslash Chicagoland. And um heck if they ask, tell them you heard about it here on Hubes Views and Brews. And um until then I'm not going to be here next week. Saturday is my 64th birthday, so I'm taking next Monday off. Uh, I'll be back in two weeks, and uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll talk more beer. We'll talk more sports, and I look forward to uh, talking to you all again in a couple of weeks. Enjoy. Stay safe. Go White Sox. You're a Cubs fan. Go Cubs, and uh, let's see how things play out in Major League Baseball. Have a great night. Thanks a lot for listening.